We are in Hebrews 11, of course, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. We are talking about the people of old. That's what we're talking about. These men and women of old, that the in the Old Testament, who received their commendation. This word is interesting, this word commendation. Uh, if you do a search of this original word, it is sometimes translated testimony, sometimes, actually a lot of times, probably most of the time, this word is translated witness. Uh, as in God is witnessing about their goodness. That's what's happening here. That's what a commendation is. God has seen their goodness. He has witnessed their goodness. They have received a good testimony. Things that are spoken about them are good, right? People are, that's what the Bible is. The Bible is talking about these people, testifying about them in a positive way. By faith, they receive their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what was, uh, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Uh, a little bit of a play on words there based on our, our sermon this morning, right? Created by the word of God. Well, he spoke it, yes, but also, of course, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, as we've gone through Hebrews chapter 11, we've come to uh, verse 29 through 31. Uh, as we've talked about a lot of diff these different people of old, we've come to this series of stories. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. This is why Derek was talking about Jericho for the kids. Uh, fell down after it had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Two stories, really three entities though, three examples of faith. Uh, of course, we have the first one crossing the Red Sea and then we have the circling, right? They circle, they walk around for a bit and the walls fall down. And the third one, of course, being Rahab. Rahab, one of the more interesting figures in the entire Bible. This uh, Jer uh, Canaanite, she's a Canaanite living in the city of Jericho, Canaanite woman who is listed in the New Testament in, uh, on several different occasions of significant importance. The first being Matthew, the genealogy of the Messiah, here listed with these heroes of faith, this Canaanite woman. Now, we'll start with the first story, though, the crossing of the Red Sea. As we think about what is uh, going on in this story, where the, the theme of this lesson is faith to conquer, they're conquering the Egyptians. That's what's happening in this story, right? Uh, the Egyptians, of course, are chasing after them. Uh, they've, they've been through the 10 plagues already. Uh, Pharaoh has time and time again, right? The, the story alternates between Pharaoh hardens his heart and God hardens his heart. And there's this, this thing that God tells Moses that I'm doing this so that they'll see my power. My power will be displayed in Egypt. And of course, at the end of that, we have the 10th the plague, death of the firstborn, which we talked about whenever that was. That's what I'm saying. It's so hard to remember. Three or four weeks ago, whoever knows when that was. Uh, the death of the firstborn which was sort of the thing that broke the Egyptians. And Pharaoh says, fine, get out of here, leave. I don't want you here anymore. But then, of course, we know he has a change of heart, doesn't he? he they get out of town and he's like, ah, should I have let them go? Probably not. And they chase after them. Exodus 14, 5 through 7. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. A major military endeavor, right? That's what's about to happen. They are chasing the, Egypt, the Israelites to catch, capture them. I don't know, maybe he just wants to kill them. 
But it seems to be more that they need the slaves, the slave labor back. We, why did we let go of this major portion of our economy? Let's all gather up and, and go get them. Now, of course, we know what happens in the story, one of the most, probably most famous stories in the entire Bible, in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Uh, do they have faith? No, they do not. What have, you, uh, what have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Because when Moses came, they weren't really receptive, right? And yet we know from Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses in the burning bush, I have heard the cry of my people in Israel. They didn't like living in Egypt. They didn't like being slaves. But when somebody came to save them, ah, it's too much effort. Isn't that how we are? We don't like our lives, but man, I don't want to change anything. I don't want to do anything to get out of my situation. Even if I'm not going to be doing most of the work, I may not like my situation, but it's what I know and maybe what I'm used to, and I don't want to change it. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Just shut up a minute and let God do what's God, what God is going to do. And of course, the great victory that is accomplished here, the waters part, they walk through, and the Egyptians, I really wonder what's going on in the Egyptians' heads here. So I don't know how close they are. They must be somewhat close. I don't exactly know the layout of it, how it would have been then. Uh, they are approaching, and Moses raises his hands, and the wind comes, and the, the seas part, and they start walking through, and Pharaoh gets there at some point, he and his army. They see this thing happening, What's going on in their minds that, yeah, I should follow them? I mean, he doesn't have any idea what's going on here. Maybe he felt the wind and he was like, oh, it's obviously just some natural thing. This is unusual, but because the text goes out of the way, we're not going to read it, to say about the wind, the Lord caused a wind to come up. So maybe he just thinks it's sort of a nat an unusual natural occurrence. And, and so I'm going to follow after them. But we know, of course, what happens. Verse 30, uh, they, the, the seas go back while they're there. The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. As the water goes back on them when they're in, and they're all destroyed. And, and it, it's so much to the point that when they look back, the water has washed the Egyptians up onto the shore. That's what it says here, right? They see all of the Egyptians dead. So when we think about this story here, we think about the, they're in the hall of faith. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea, but it wasn't their faith, was it? It wasn't the people's faith. Who, whose faith was it? It was Moses's faith, right? The leader. And I think this is sometimes what happens even in our congregations. The leaders have to sort of drag us kicking and stream, screaming into doing what they know, what they believe is right in God's sight, right in God's eyes. Moses believes here, and he, he convinces the people to just, just be silent for a minute. Just, just wait a minute, and God will save you. Because who actually did the work of conquering? It wasn't the, it wasn't the Israelites. They didn't conquer the Egyptians. If it were up to them, they would go back. 
God is the one that did the actual work. And of course, it does say after this, did they have faith? For a little bit, at least. Maybe not for a long time, but they did fear and they did believe. How long did that faith last? A couple weeks, maybe? A couple days? Then Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and what do they do? Oh, Moses is dead up there. Aaron built us, a, built us a, a god to worship, and of course, then we have the golden calf. This is a story about what the faith of one person can do to help many. Your faith is not just about you. Your faith is about all of us. The faith of one man, Moses, was a, enough for God to help the entire people of Israel, people who would complain over and over and over again people who rejected God over and over and over again. And we're thinking about maybe in our families. You're faithful, maybe your family's not faithful. Your faith in the midst of their unfaithfulness might still benefit them. In our congregations, maybe we see a lack of faith, but your faith in the midst of a congregation that maybe is lacking could still make a difference because ultimately it's not about the people, it's about God who conquers in the midst of faith. Now, the second story, conquering Jericho. As uh, I'm going to skip some of this. Uh, the story of Jericho can really be split into two parts here. We have them coming into the land to conquer. And of course, previous in Jer uh, Joshua, in the first chapters of Joshua, they have the spies that go in, and it talks about Rahab in this text as well in Hebrews 11. The spies go in, they spy out the land, they have to hide, Rahab hides them, right? The spies and the people come and they're like, oh, give us the Israelites. And they're like, she's like, I don't know where they are, they went that way. Um, and then they leave and she lets them down. But before she lets them down, this is the important thing. And we'll read some of this here. We're not going to read all of this. Uh, I know that the Lord, this is what she says to them. I know that the Lord has given you the land. The fear of you has fallen upon us, all of the people in Jericho, that all the inhabitants of the land melt away. Uh, and they, she talks about the things that they have heard that God has done. I'm going to skip down to here. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. It's sad, but true, that Rahab has more faith than the Israelites in a lot of ways. Rahab has not grown up with this. Rahab is not a child of Israel. Rahab does not have the history of God's people. Yet she sees what God has done and believes that he's going to do it again. He's going to do it to her people. So she makes this bargain. And, of course, then we have the story of them walking around the city, and they walk around, and they walk around, and they walk around, and they walk around. Do you think they ever got tired of the walking? I'm sure based on the history of Israel, some of them had to have been like, why are we doing this? Joshua, why are we doing this? What's going on here, man? This is not going to give us the victory. This is not going to be the way that we need to do it. But Joshua, strong leader, makes them do it. They do it. They walk around. Joshua 6, 1 through 5, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city and uh, all around uh, the city once for six days. Then you should do it. Of course, on the seventh day, you should march around seven times. And then what? When you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall sh shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall down. The people shall go up, everyone straight before him. We could ask the same question. Who's doing the conquering? Well, it's not the Israelites. 
in both stories, the Red Sea and Jericho, literally all the people do is walk. That's all they do. They walk through the sea and they walk around the city. That's it. God does everything else to give them the victory. All they do is walk. But they walk according to the way that he told them to walk. Walk through the water. And I wonder if they're walking through the water. They, uh, you know, they have pictures. We see art of it. And they can, you can sort of see the fish. Could they see the fish in the background? I don't know. It would have been such a surreal experience to walk through that. And then we come around the city. They're walking around. I wonder, I wonder at what point they realized, oh, they're not going to attack us. Because I think maybe some of them had, might be apprehensive. We're going so close to the city, they're going to use their archers to fire down on us. But they don't, right? They're shut up inside. They are totally afraid. And of course, the promise is fulfilled to Rahab. Verse 22 through 23. The two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out for... Uh, Bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men had, uh, who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. So again, if we're thinking about this, did the people have faith? Well, at least they didn't complain in the text. So we could say they had definitely more faith than coming out of Egypt. And if they did, why? Well, what's happened between... The coming out of Egypt and this story. Well, there's been 40 years of wandering and people have died. Previous generations gone because of their lack of faith, because of their grumbling and complaining. So these people, people who have seen what God has done, people who've heard stories about what God has done, who've been warned by the people who are the spies, who rejected God's promise. Hey, you've got to trust in God. You've got to trust in God. Don't do what we did. Don't make the same mistakes we did. They've been hearing that for 40 years, probably. Now they come to Israel, and eh, it seems a little weird that we're supposed to just walk around the city, but we'll do it. How many times do you read something in the Bible, or you, you're, you hear something in a Bible study, or you're thinking about things with other Christians and you're like, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why, why do we do it that way? Why, why this way and not some other way? Why am I supposed to do this and not some other thing? And we're presented with the same choice. We're either going to do it or we aren't. Do we believe that what God has said is going to lead us to victory or not? How did that faith manifest in their actions? Well, in this story, two ways. One, they actually did walk around the city, but the second is they fulfilled the promise to Rahab. This promise that they had made, that really the people didn't make, but the, the spies made on their behalf. Joshua, of course, fulfills that promise as well. Their faith manifested in following through with the promise that had been made towards Rahab. And again, we've already asked this, but who did the work of conquering? Not the Israelites. We have to get in our minds, or get out of our minds, rather. We have to get out of our minds that it's about how talented I am, or about how good I am, or about how many resources I have, or about how, how many things I can do. I need to be doing things that I can, but ultimately God is the one who conquers. It's not me. And the more I put it on me, if I was the Israelites and, and they were thinking about their strength and how they were going to do it, they probably would have come up with some battle plan that would have led to them all being slaughtered, which is what we do. Why did Rahab have faith? Because she had heard what God had done, and she believed that he could do it again. And it's really that simple for us. We know what God has done. Do we believe he'll do it again? That's it. That's the whole question. The whole question of your faith. Do you know what God has done? 
and do you believe he'll do it again? Delivering people from all sorts of calamity, blessing those who are his children, providing deliverance through his grace and mercy. He's done all those things already. Will he continue to do that? Rahab's faith manifested in action by her willing to go against her own people, go against all the people she knew, go against all of the people that she had grown up with to do a different thing, to go a different way to serve the Lord. The Hebrew writer goes on in verse 32 of chapter 11. What more shall I say for time would fail to tell me of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, all these people who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. We're going to pause there because we're going to talk next week about the, the second part of this. How many people in the Old Testament faced overwhelming odds? The people who quenched the power of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was that them? No, they were thrown into a furnace. They did nothing. Except they refused to bow down. And then God did the rest. David, Samson, Jephthah, we think about all these people in the Old Testament. They did what they could, but what they could do was not enough. So God did the rest. Just like he will do in our lives. And we can think about this in a couple of ways. What's going on in your life that's comparable to these things? Hopefully nothing. I really hope you're not going through anything comparable to this. I hope that because I, I want your life to be full of, of joy and happiness and, and ease and, and comfort. Yet at the same time, I do wonder if perhaps they had such great faith because they faced such overwhelming odds that they knew they couldn't do it on their own. Maybe we get complacent because, let's face it, for a lot of us, our lives are pretty easy, and I don't have a lot of difficulty, and so I get into the mindset, oh, I am good enough. I can do this on my own. I don't need God. If I faced maybe a little more hardship and difficulty, I would realize that it's God who's going to give me the victory and not myself. As we conclude, the point is simple. You aren't the one expected to conquer. Thanks be to God for that, because I need his help. We are simply expected to believe in the one who does conquer and then act as if he will continue to do so. He's done it in the past. He will do it for you. He will do it for you and me if we believe and act as if he will. That's the key, right? Do you act as if God will make you conquer? It's easy to say, I believe. Sure, I believe that. But how does that manifest in your actions, in your life? What things are you doing that you would not otherwise do if you did not believe in God? Let me, let me, let me ask that a different way. What actions or habits do you have in your life that if you did not believe in God, you would not have? And if you can't think of any, then you're not manifesting faith in your life. You're just doing what you would have done anyway. Think about it the other way. What things are you avoiding? What things do you put off? What things could you be doing that would require you to have faith? And again, if the answer is nothing, then you're not having faith have a tangible effect on your life. Moses and Rahab and the Israelites conquered 
Because God is powerful, not because they were. And in your life, as we conclude, I know there are things that you're facing that you maybe feel like you can't overcome. Maybe you can't. It's very possible you really can't overcome it. But that's the point. You can't, but God can. As we talked about this morning, Jesus, the creator, we talked about these stories, these ancient stories are designed to give us the strength to do things that are hard and difficult, to do things that require risk. If there's no risk, there's no faith. So what's in your life that requires faith?